Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. Go to axontire.com for more information. Axon Tire is giving away uh, a baseball cap to all the loyal listeners of the Moving Iron Podcast. If you like one of those, go to marketing at axontire.com and they will send one to you. Just give them your details. And they will ship one over to you. So just go to marketingaxontire.com and uh, they'll be sure to send one out to you. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs at Valley Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Sean is with, or Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he is coming live to us today, live from sunny California, which is much better than than uh, where he was at in Washington, where it was cold. Oh, it was uh, at ninety degrees here, which I like. Cause ninety degrees. Similar. There you go. It's warm, warm. It's a it's a dry ninety, dry but it's heat. still ninety, yeah. and that's more my my style. I like yeah. that. So I, yeah. I got to play. I'm like, yeah. You don't like know what to do with dry heat, though. You've never. You, oh, my eyes are all like sandpaper. I, I, everything's cracking on my skin. I don't want. Yeah, you're terrible. buying. But you're buying stock and lotion right now, right? At least it's warm. <laughs> <laughs> right on. And it's four a.m. instead of seven because it's three hours behind. But there it's you go. Good. See, it's all the same. Good. It's all coming together. I am. Com- I am committed to the Moving Iron Podcast. You still have palm trees, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> still got palm trees. All right. There is a. Uh, a world of news has come upon us here in the last 72 hours, I guess, as we take a look at F- Friday, I believe, the, uh, the Indian government came out and said, you know what, From we're totally good, we're never giving away anything to, all right, cool, we're done shipping wheat out of, out of, out of the country here for the next uh, foreseeable future. Shot wheat prices through the roof, right? Took, took things crazy, everybody knows, and everybody was just waiting for that shoe to drop to see what happens. So now you've got... You take a look at that thing there. You've got the Candace Wheat Tour going on right now. And preliminary reports show that they think it's going to be a, a bumper crop in Kansas, right? They're, they're talking 51, anywhere between 49 and 52 bushels per acre is what I've read. 
Um, in Kansas, uh, they've got some very timely rains uh, up to this point, um, up to up to the first part of May. Uh, no real speakable um, amount of moisture had come from really anything, whether it be snow or whatever else. Had crazy winds and heat and everything else. So that's this this particular leg yesterday, I guess. So this particular leg of the of the wheat tour there. Jumped down to Oklahoma and they had their wheat tour um, the first part of May and they're talking like half the amount of wheat was going to get produced in 22. They got produced in 21. Um, so there's there's a, a big discrepancy there between the two states as far as, as wheat quality and wheat quantity go. Jump over and you look at what's going on. Diesel fuel, diesel fuel jumped up a dollar to a dollar and a half depending on where you're at uh, in the last the last week here and then you got countries like Sri Lanka that is down to their last gallon of, of fuel in the entire country so kind of a perfect storm coming together here Sean um, whether you're talking about wheat price you know wheat prices jumped up on this day it closed at like 1352 or something like that and the overnights it was up again about 17 cents last time I looked it was like 1360 something or another so uh there's a just a lot of things going on here. So I guess, what's your broad view reaction to all those things I just threw out there? It's just kind of a cumulative perfect storm of a whole bunch of different things that are coming together and culminating uh, right now with it from the lockdowns all the way back to 2020, the dislocations in the logistical system, not only domestically but internationally. Um, uh, the, obviously, the very aberrant weather we've been having, which is something we talk about a lot. Um, then, of course, you know the Russian invasion adding insult to injury in terms of specifically wheat and corn supplies. And then you, know, you can say whatever, whatever the tour is going to say, it's going to say. Um, but you know the the crop ratings came out last night, and winter wheat crop declined two or three percentage points, and was supposed to go up. So whatever it is, the crop's just not going to be what it needs to be to solve the problem and, you know, the market can react or not react. And, you know, but the bottom line is, is that, and of course we can't get the spring wheat crop planted. I think yesterday they said we we're 39% planted. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to be 70% planted and, and there's rains in the forecast as far as the eye can see. And so that's just not going to end well. And so we just don't have enough wheat. Now, if Ukraine was open, we'd be okay. We, we, it wouldn't be great, Casey, mm -hmm. but it would be okay. But with that off the market, you know, for whatever period of time, you know, that just put the system over the edge. And that's where we're at. I mean, we're just, we're at, we're at the edge to where now India feels compelled. Remember, India was one of the bright spots selling a lot of wheat. And then they had this really, really aberrant, hot, uh, extremely hot month at the tail end of the wheat crop. Uh, and depending on who you are listening to, you know, five or ten percent of the crop was lost in that last thirty days because of you know, like all-time record high heat over hundred degrees just burned the crop up. And then, so you know, they looked at that and said, "Holy shoot! You know, maybe maybe we uh, sold too much wheat because we don't we have a lot less wheat from our new crop right. than we thought." And so, you know, we're gonna we're gonna pull back on our wheat exports until we know more about what our crop actually looks like when the combines start picking up the crop. And you know what? That's pr I would do that if I were them. You know, I mean, I think it's a rational decision for them to say, you know, let's pause right now until we know what we're looking at. Because, you know, we have a billion, you know, whatever, a billion three, billion four here. You know, we, we have a few few uh, people relying on us to provide wheat and rice. So let's just be careful here. So I understand why they're doing it. And while a lot of people are going to, 
yell and scream, you know, what would they do in the same situation? I think they do exactly the same thing. Right. So, so, so we're at is we're at a situation where there's not enough wheat to go around and, and uh, it's, it's a, it's a very ugly situation right now. So, yeah. all right. So all that being said, you know, we've talked about the, the correlation between rice and wheat. Yes. And what that looks like. So now you got big number on wheat, huge number on wheat. What's, what's rice, what's rice doing and how's that reacting? Well, the rice price is starting to move higher, but, re but relative to wheat, it's still extremely undervalued. So right now, the last time India did something like this was 2008, where they banned rice back then in 2008. And it was the catalyst for the final blow-off top in grains. It, about 30 to 45 days after the announcement is when the grains actually made their top. And, and then we, we had that, 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 that famous blow-off top in grains back then. I don't know if this will be, you know, no two times are exactly the same, but when India does something like this, every, it, it sends a message to everyone that, you know what, we need to worry about ourselves. So Vietnam, Thailand, the Philippines, you know, all these countries that produce a lot of rice are going to say to themselves, you know, the, maybe rice, a rice ban is next from India because India has been the, one of the countries selling a lot of rice to those who want it. You know, maybe, maybe they're next, you know, maybe rice is next. So we, you know, so then it, it creates a contagious effect or, you know, back in 08, then, then Vietnam put a ban on rice back in 08. So I, it, it sends the message that you need to worry about yourself. Everyone's looking out for themselves. We can't trust anybody. And so everyone's going to be looking to, to acquire as much cheap rice as they possibly can right now to offset uneconomical, unaffordable wheat, wheat supplies. And, um, and I think that we're in the early stages of taking that low-lying fruit off the table. So when you look at the rice price relative to wheat, like I said, extremely cheap, the rice price relative to overall commodities really cheap, and even more importantly, the rice price relative to fertilizer, it's the lowest it's ever been, meaning that rice prices relative to fertilizer prices are the lowest it's ever been. Um, and it's the most, it's the most intensive Use, use user of fertilizer per acre in the world. That is unsustainable, meaning, sure, some Asian countries can subsidize these fertilizer costs. India has been doing it. Maybe they'll continue to do it. But not every country has the resources financially to do that. Philippines are not going to do that. They already mentioned that they're going to reduce their fertilizer usage by 15 to 20%. The Southeast Asia does not have the money to do it. So all of a sudden, you're going to look at these key exporting countries like Thailand and Vietnam. Um, now, now, remember, uh, China is buying rice in record quantities never seen before in history right now. Okay, And India has been selling record amount of exports. That's not going to continue. At some point, India is going to go, you know what? We're going to just slow this down. And Southeast Asia is going to go, our crops are going to be down. Even if weather is good, our crops are going to be down because we're not, we're not going to put the fertilizer. We can't put the fertilizer down. If we have any kind of issue with the weather in india or southeast asia this growing season casey mm -hmm. it's going to be a wild situation for uh, asian rice prices like we saw back in 08 and so i would think looking at everything we're looking at that rice is the last we talked about it, it's the last uh cheap grain that's actually keeping things intact somewhat and when that goes 
then you really move the world into a true humanitarian uh, food crisis. And, and I believe it will happen later this summer, according to our calculations. The minute that we start seeing how much production in Asia is going to be impacted by the lack of fertilizer usage and that the, the crops aren't going to be what they need to be, then you're going to see these bans coming left and right across the board on, you know, keeping, uh, you know, keeping, keeping rice at home. And then, then, and then we enter a different, a totally different ball game. So I'm not excited about that forecast. I don't make that forecast with glee and kicking my heels at all. It's a disaster, but I'm also, my job is also to try to forecast what I think is coming. So, yeah. All right. So, Speaking of that, we are a lot of you know a lot of guys go out and and Ford contract a lot of diesel fuel and those kind of things, but a lot, a lot don't either. You know, and, and and especially around the world, we start looking at diesel prices. What what is what's driving the the diesel issue right now? Where where we what is driving that that huge leap in diesel price? Refine in the United States. Refinery business was so unprofitable for so long. It was such a, it was a terrible business that they dropped capacity by, I think, 40% in the last 10 years because it was so unprofitable. And we actually just don't have the capacity to handle the current demand, meaning that demand for diesel right now, after all that we did with you know, reopening, you know, closing and reopening and then printing $13 trillion of money and telling everybody go out and, you know, do, you know, spend and we do actually don't have the capacity. And then, and then what happened was, is that they put off a lot of these, Bill, understand these refineries, you have to go through these um, periods where you shut down sure. and you recalibrate yep. and you kind of, you know, I mean, it's, it, these are serious operations and you got to keep them going. Well, they delayed these things. And so now they're shutting down to do these maintenance issues at a time that we, we, we need, <laughs> we need to be running at 104 capacity. So it's really not a function of a problem of crude oil specifically. It's just, it's a function of a, of a business that was unprofitable and we've got ourselves down to where we simply, and they, and because they delayed these maintenance, it's just happening at the wrong time. Now, of course, those maintenance uh, times will end, They'll reopen, but it takes time from the time they reopen right. to get that going. And it, you know, this it's not like you, and we still don't actually have enough. We actually need more refinery capacity. How quickly they're going to be willing to do that after having ten years where they couldn't make any money? I mean, it, it's just a period where um, we don't have enough capacity. We haven't invested enough in energy. Mm -hmm. We've told these companies you're bad you're ruining the environment you're killing people so you're, you're bad to society we want you out of business and um and so so we we've this is what's been going on and now 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 we want them to turn the lights on and 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 go after it because now 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 they're our buddies and our friends well it doesn't work that way it doesn't work that way so we are we're we're in a situation somewhat that we created ourselves, and to some extent that the uh, the virus created and and um there's no quick solution. Of course, prices eventually get too high and you lose demand and, and that will put the top in. But we have to, we're trying to find what's the right price going into the summer season here that adequately matches supply and demand um, until these refineries can come back from their maintenance. And uh, we're still trying to figure it out. You know, wh where is that number? You know, it's not, you're not going to have a uh, $20 diesel 
mm-hmm. you know, no one will use it. So, I mean, at some point there's a limit. And I think we're, we're trying to test the upper end of that limit right now. And other countries are in the same situation. You know, I'm not exactly educated on, you know, the foreign policies of other countries exactly, but I can tell you that Europe has been following the same disinvestment in refinery capacity as we have. Yeah. So, so normal, uh, the average refinery in the United States runs at something like 98, 99% capacity, 100% capacity in, in normal times, right? I mean, it, they're already at max capacity anyhow. They're already at max capacity at a time that their assets are being strained and they do need to uh, provide and, and, and do some maintenance on them to, so they don't just shut down and break down and have a bigger problem. So, right. you know, I don't think everyone understands the complexity of a refinery and what it takes to actually turn uh, crude oil into diesel or crude oil into gasoline. It's, it's, not, um, <laughs> it's not that easy of a process and it's very expensive and the uh, capital investments to keep them going is very expensive. And, and now we're talking about, you know, all these companies are making too much money. We need to take their um, profits away from them. Well, if you do that, then they're going to not, they're even going to yeah. further not make the investments they need. So, so attacking the people that are actually need the money to make the capitalists to actually solve the issue is going exactly against what needs to happen here. Right. So, so like a great plan. I should keep trudging forward with that, Sean. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's jump over and talk about uh, crop progress, um, planting progress, and what, what you see happening there. Last week was an amazingly warm, dry week week in, in Iowa and Illinois. I mean, a lot of my friends were talking about 90-plus degrees, windy, got everything going. Obviously started, started getting uh, some more stuff in the ground. Looking at that, you know, kind of falling in exactly what you talked about, this uh, opportunity to see um, – you know, this this wet, cold, you know, snap that we saw early, and now we're going to get in that drier, warmer time frame. So I guess talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we doubled uh, we doubled progress on corn and soybeans, as expected. Um, and we're going we're gonna to crank again this week. We're going to crank. The only place we're not going to crank is the Northern Plains. So I, the way I'm looking at things is we're pretty much going to have the whole crop planted outside of the Northern Plains here in another week and a half. Um, meaning everywhere... From, you know, south of, let's say, South Dakota, south, everyone's going to be planted in another week and a half in corn and, uh, and corn, soybeans shortly thereafter because they're always a little bit d- delayed. Right. It's the northern plains that they're not going to get that make that kind of progress. And that's going to be the, the continue to be the issue for spring wheat, which is a, which is exclusively grown in the northern plains and up into Canada. And, you know, and, 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 the, corn, and the corn acres that are up there, you know, they're going to be not planted right away. And so, so what we're going to happen, we're going to get to this like 90% threshold, 95% threshold, and we're going to be very, very slow to, fin- to finish that last, you know, 5 to 8%. Everyone says, well, who cares? Yeah, but you know what? It matters a great deal this year because that 5 or 8%, <laughs> you know, is a lot of corn acres that are either not going to get planted or going to get planted very late and whose yields are going to be extremely potentially impaired by the lateness of planting. And so um, that's still where I think you know, we're going to have some, some relief. Okay. Cross making products, but it's that Northern tier that I still worry about Casey, especially for corn. And I think once we get over the euphoria of getting the rest of the crop planted in the rest of the country, that last 5% is going to be really 
uh, hone in on, and, and that's going to still be an issue and a thorn in the side for corn and for especially for spring wheat. I think spring wheat's in, we talked about this last time, I think it's in big, big trouble, big trouble. And, and remember, we had a, the worst crop last year in North America in 100 years, and so we had the second worst crop in 100 years in Russia. There's no ending stocks in spring wheat, and we're not going to get this crop planted um, on time, and we're not going to get all the acres planted, and the yields are not going to be top end. I think those are very safe statements to make, and the market has to figure out how to handle that. It wouldn't be so bad if Ukraine was online and we had more winter wheat available, but they're not, at least right now, you know, not, doesn't look like they're online. And so it's just a mess. It's really a mess right now. Yep. Yeah, a million things going on, Sean. Man, I'll tell you what, it's a, uh, and I never thought that there would be this level of, of dysfunction out there, but when it comes to what you see happen in the markets, and a lot of it is just streaming around the fact of supply and demand, supply and demand, supply and demand. And it's right now. And I, but I, I, what I would like to, I would like to warn everyone, um, whether you're a producer and user, whoever you are involved in the food chain of agriculture, um, it is our view that we're going to start to see greater and greater government intervention take place because. It doesn't matter if coffee prices are unaffordable. It doesn't matter if chocolate prices are unaffordable. Quite frankly, you know, it doesn't really matter if, um, you know, a lot of things are unaffordable. But if you don't have enough wheat, you don't have enough rice, uh, governments are not going to let prices continue to go up. They'll pull every stop they can to suppress the price. That could come in the form of price controls. It could come in the form of, export bans. It could come in the form of, uh, of food rationings. We've seen all of this before. It's not like this is the first time we've been through this rodeo before. We, I mean, we've seen this before where these, the government's pulled out all these stops to try to suppress the price and keep it down. Um, and so, you know, uh, we're going to see more of that and, and the markets will be impacted much in, in a great fashion by the government uh, the chess match that the governments play here on how they're going to try to attack excessive high wheat and rice prices, especially when rice prices really start to go. And so you have to be careful about that. As 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 um, bullish as the current fundamental situation appears to be right now, um, one fundamental is government intervention, and you just have to be careful that there could become a time where they somebody says something or does something. You know, maybe the U.S. says no more exports for a while. I, I'm just I'm not forecasting that, but in, in, the, in the situation that we're in, anything's possible. And and you could wake up one day and all of a sudden you see that wheat's limit down because of some government policy somewhere in the world that did something that is causing the price of wheat to go down, yeah. not because the fundamentals change, because the government policy changed, at least short term. So everyone needs to be very careful about managing the risk on the farm, hedging, you know, pricing, you know, just, just be understanding that it's not a one-sided, the governments are not gonna are not gonna let this price uh, keep going up without a fight, is what I'm trying to say. And and please understand government intervention risk here. Um, and, and how it might impact you if you're caught not having enough downside protection in, on your farm, if, if and when some of these policies are pulled, they will be pulled. 
we're not going to have $20 wheat and, and have the world saying, okay, we're, we're fine with that. I, I do not believe that's going to happen. We're going to see governments pull up all the stops here. So, yep. It also may mean, it may mean that the, Na the U.S. Navy goes into Ukraine and says, Russia, the hell with you. We're going to go in. We're going to go get the grain. We're going to protect the farmers because this is not your grain. This is Ukraine's grain. They want us to do this and we're going in. Maybe it could be, it could be that. I, I'm just speculating. I'm wild speculating here, but there could be a lot of things. Casey, that could be done here by governments to ease the situation and don't put it upon it and don't don't think any of these possibilities are outlandish or impossible. I think all of them are actually being contemplated right now. So Yeah. Crazy times, Sean. It, Happy is, times. Happy times. <laughs> it is crazy, crazy times. So Yeah, um, it is. Last time something like this happened, we had, you know, the whole entire Arab Spring situation. We had we all the uprisings in in, in in Africa and those kind of places, you know, all all that. So, and that well, remember, what, what the, the, what the, the, the countries that really are impacted by this is Africa, mm -hmm. Middle East, and Asia. Those are the three hot spots that are really in. Because remember, the, the half of the people in those countries or more spend 80% of their income on food before the increase in food prices. Yep. Which means a good portion of them cannot afford to feed themselves. Yep. And, you know, when people go hungry, they get angry very quickly. They get and a little, so a fired up. Yeah. So that's the next that's the next ball of the fall. You're going to see a lot of civil unrest, a lot of um, a lot of issues. Yep. It's going to be ugly for a while. Yep. So. Absolutely. OK. All right, Sean. Good stuff as usual, man. Um, folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information on our weather algorithm or capital flows algorithms to let you know how we look about at things to see if we could be a value to your listeners. Right on. And you are on a whirlwind speaking tour right now. So if someone wanted to hire you to uh, come speak at their, their festival, what's the best way to do that? Well, we have a link on our website, but you also go to the Tiller group, uh, T I L L E R group, um, who is our booking agent and you can, uh, uh, you know, have them, you know, seek them out and have them hire us for you in terms of uh, logistics of where to go and the fees and that sort of thing. Um, so either go to our website under speaking and hit the link or go to the Tiller group to hire us. Yep. We, uh, we, we do extensive work on our weather cycles and how we predict weather and how we've been doing it. And we think that with a lot going on with weather volatility and why we think it's happening, I think this would be a really good, uh, extremely good time to kind of get, uh, better acquainted with what what might be ahead, so that you can prepare better for your uh, your business as, in agriculture. Absolutely. So. Yep. Good stuff. Tiller Group. I use those guys quite a bit for the Moving Iron Summit coming. That's where I found Sean at. Um, so Sean can can do that. But AgSpeakersNetwork.com. Check that out. It's a good place to go. So check them out. All right, Sean. Appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. Always love to be here. We'll see you again on Thursday. Right on, man. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn. Uh, that's Moving Iron Podcast. And if you're looking to subscribe to an amazing YouTube channel, check it out, the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, all the stuff you see there, that's the video version of the podcast is there. So check that out. A lot of good information there on top of the, uh, you want to see the visual stuff, check out the YouTube channel. Uh, if you're interested in going to Moving Iron Summit, check out movingironllc.com. All the information is there for uh, 
for attending that. Sean's going to be there talking about what he sees going on in the marketplace towards this fall. So if you're interested in doing that, check that out there at movingironllc.com. Upper right-hand corner, click on the Moving Iron Summit tab, and uh, all the information is there. If you need more information, send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com, and I'll make sure to get back to you as soon as I can. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go do some iron, folks. Out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving on